Well, here we are. At home. In our living room. With our families. With those we love. Today, wherever you are located, know that you are not alone. You are not alone. We're still connected. Today, we gather as one body. One body. One body. Because the church is not a building. It never has been. It never has been. We gather today as one church. One church. To lift up one name. The name of Jesus. 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 So wherever you are, today is the day the Lord has made. Today is the day to give Him thanks. So let's unite. Let's worship. Let's praise His name. For he is worthy of it today and every day because we are still the church. We are the church. We are the church. We are the church. We are the church. Hi, everybody. Good Sunday morning to you. I'm so thrilled to be here with my family. Uh, Calvary Christian Fellowship. Praise God. Miss you guys so much. I haven't been able to see you physically, but thank God for the approach that we have been doing together collectively as a church family. We've been able to fellowship pretty much on a daily basis. We've been praying together, and that's so vital because the scripture says, if my people pray, the land will be healed. So as we pray um, humbly, as we pray um, with repentance, as we pray with all of our hearts and we beseech God for His mercy, for His grace, you know, we uh, come against the works of the enemy and we stand as a church together in prayer, God will heal our land. And I thank God that we're also fellowshipping together. We're getting together on Mondays and Tuesdays. Uh, we're getting together uh, Thursdays also the, with, with the ladies. I know also um, that the young people are getting together uh, with Nate and Brenda. Uh, I know the children are gathering, uh, you know, virtually also um, with Johanna and the team. I know on Fridays we're also coming together as a church. And of course, uh, every Sunday. So thank you for maintaining your disciplines. And thank you for making these times of fellowship a priority. The scripture says it, that we're not to forsake the fellowship of the saints coming together. And remember, the building is not the church. We are the church. And later on, I'll be talking to you about that. So I, wanted, I want you to take a couple of minutes right now, go over the, to, the, to the chat room. You know, I'm asking you that every week. I'm just curious. I want to know who's with us and um, uh, who, because you know, I can't see you. I can't see you physically. So I want to make sure that you are there. Okay, so go on to chat and let us know that you're there. Uh, if you're there with your family, tell us if you're, you know, with a, a family of three or four, us and five, you know, us four and no more, so to speak. You know, so get on chat, let me know, say good morning to me, say good morning to the rest of the body, and chat with one another. Uh, if you have prayer requests, uh, put them on the chat room, because we're actually there in the chat room also. Uh, we're there live, and we want to make sure that we address any and all needs, and, and just basically as part of our fellowship, okay? So do that now, and just put your name in there, and let us know uh, that you're, you know, doing well, that you're with us. I would really appreciate that. I pray you had a 
great last week, and this is the day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. I know that as the weeks go along, things are going to start somewhat normalizing. I know it's going to take some time, but I believe that, uh, you know, soon we'll be able to see each other. Um, I'm wondering what that's going to look like. Maybe it might look like, uh, maybe we might have to have three services and have 25 people at a time so we could do some social distancing. That's a, that's a big possibility. But whatever it takes, we will make it happen. Praise God. So let's get ready uh, to present our hearts before the Lord in worship. Uh, let me pray for you and then we'll begin the service. Father, we thank you for your kindness, your love, and your tender mercies. Thank you for this beautiful day. This is the day that the Lord has made, and we will rejoice and be glad in it. So, Father, I pray your blessing upon us as we meet virtually around this table, around this place of fellowship. And I thank you that your presence is here with me and your presence is there with them in their homes or wherever they're at, whether it's in the car or whether it's in a hotel room, wherever it may be, you are there with them. So, Lord, we prepare our hearts right now to worship you, my God. I pray that you receive our worship. I pray that you would minister mightily through the word and through the, this corporate gathering. Holy Spirit, move mightily. A touch, Lord God, all the needs, my Father. I pray that you heal, that you set free, that you deliver, that you uplift, that you encourage, that you save people today, O oh God. Draw them to the foot of the cross, I pray. I'll give you the glory for it, my Father, for thou art God, and you're good. You're a wonderful and perfect Heavenly Father. So we worship you this beautiful morning. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen and amen. Praise God. Let's get ready uh, to now enter into a time of worship and praise. Yeah, the is all. 
worship the Lord together in this place. Let's give God a crescendo of praise. For you
that was an awesome time of worship and praise. And, uh, you know, that's who we are. That's Calvary Christian Fellowship. We love worshiping our Heavenly Father. And I want to thank you also once again uh, for your continued disciplines and continuing to walk out your faith in practical ways. You know, gathering together with the body of Christ. We're here together. So um, I really appreciate it more than words can say. Just wanted to remind you that uh, in terms of our giving, uh, although we're not giving to the offering basket, so to speak, we do have the offering basket. It is our website, www.calvaryny.org. And that's part of our worship. It's also part of our warfare. Remember that uh, um, God spoke about the tither. He says, to the tither, he will open up the windows of heaven. To the tither, he will rebuke the devourer. He rebukes the devourer, not us. He does that. He does that for the tither. Why? Because the tither is putting God first. Because the tither is recognizing that God is the provider. You see, we might have money, but it all belongs to Him. Our life belongs to Him. When we recognize that, He's the one that opens up the windows of heaven for us. And another thing is God, that God loves the cheerful giver. And we know um, right now during this crisis, many of us are giving. We don't, you know, we don't say it to anybody, but we are. We're giving to people in need. We're finding out what the needs are, and we're sowing. That's a very powerful way to incarnate Christ in a practical way. And so I thank all of you that have been giving to others. So let's continue doing that. Let's not hold that back during this time. Because, you know, it's, it's very important. The Bible says that when we give, it shall be given back to us. But the key is that we're doing so because we love God and we're manifesting the love of God. When we do that, 2 Corinthians chapter 9 makes it very clear that he continues to resource us with more so we can continue to allow his love to flow through us. It's amazing when a person in need suddenly has a brother or sister in Christ, give them an offering or give them some food or whatever it may be that they need, they see Christ in that. They, they worship Christ. They worship God because of the kind gift. So understand, you're being a representative of Christ when you give. So let's continue these wonderful disciplines. Let's take some time out now. I'm going to ask Julio to put that three-minute clock, and let's go to the website right now, www.calvaryny.org, and let's release the tithe and the offering. And if you can't do it this moment, because you only have maybe a phone and you can't just get out, then we'll, at the end of the service, uh, when we finish a gathering, you can go and release your tithe and offering, and we appreciate it so very much. Thank you. Thank you from the bottom of my heart. Thank you. Um, all our leaders um, are represented when I say thank you so very much. We appreciate it more than words can say. So let's go take that break now.
The church is the body of Christ. The body of Christ is made up of many parts and many different members. Each member has a necessary purpose. When reading about the church in 1 Corinthians 12 and how it's neatly fit together, I can't help but think about the parts and layers that go into making music. If one musician's part is missing from an arranged piece, the music loses something special. The same power that is found in the unity of the instruments is not there without the other instruments. The church works the same way. Some parts are the hands, others the feet, some the eyes, the ears, and the mouth. The reality is, is everyone has a part to play. And when we come together, each individual part in one accord, the body of Christ is something beautiful.
Amen. So we're back. Um, I thank you so much for uh, your, your continued disciplines. I appreciate it more than words can say. Let's now go to a very important part of the service, and that is the Word of the Lord. And today, I want to teach you, not just preach, I want to actually teach you some things uh, about the wonderful body of Christ and the church. I want to teach you um, about the th on the theme, we are part of His victorious church. We are part of His victorious church. In Matthew chapter 16, verse 18, it says, Also I say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. Notice that Jesus said, I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. So, Father, thank you for your word. Holy Spirit, I pray that you minister mightily to your people by your Holy Spirit. Open up the eyes of the understanding that they might see how powerful a gift you have provided for us in the church as you are the one that brought forth you birthed the church in the earth realm so father we thank you for this gift called the church we give you the praise for it in the name of the lord jesus christ amen and amen praise god the word church comes from the greek word ekklesia this word is the simplest definition, which means the called out ones. That's the simplest definition, the called out ones. So when you hear church, it is really the called out ones, the ecclesia. In the secular Greek society, the word was used commonly, actually, and it referred to an assembly of free citizens who were called out from their homes and their places of worship to assemble together to give consideration to matters of public interest. So there were gatherings, they call it the ecclesia. But when Jesus refers to the church for assembly, he is not introducing a totally new concept. Because think about it, in the New Testament, God has his called out ones in the Old Testament, right? In fact, Stephen referred to the children of Israel of old as the church in the wilderness. That's found in Acts chapter 7, verse 30. In the Old Testament, Israel was called the called-out company. And it's often referred to the term Kahal Jehovah. And that means the called-out and assembled people of God. Whenever the Israelites were summoned from their dwelling and they gathered unto the Lord, they were referred to as the called out ones, the, the congregation or the assembly. You could see that in Numbers chapter 10, verse 7. It is interesting, and I find this interesting, that when the Septuagint translates the Hebrew term kahal, it uses the term ecclesia. Israel's 12 tribes encamped around the tabernacles on all four sides, according to a careful plan. And when the trumpet would be blown, they assembled before the door of the tabernacle as the people of God. They would go to the door as the people of God, the called out ones. Why? Well, to receive instructions, to receive blessings, to receive commands. In the New Testament, the word ecclesia is used 114 times. And 110 of these times, it refers definitely to the called out ones in Christ Jesus. Other times it speaks about a crowd. Jesus himself 
introduces this usage when he refers to the church. In Matthew 16, 18, he says this, I say unto you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my ecclesia, I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against the church. Powerful church. That's what Jesus was looking at. He says, it will not prevail against my ecclesia, my called out ones. So think about it. Listening to the personal pronoun, my church, my. See, that differentiates this particular company from all other groups. This is not just any gathering or assembly. This is his gathering and assembly. It introduces those and includes those that have been called out from their place of habitation in the world who have separated themselves to God onto the door of the New Testament tabernacle, who is Jesus Christ himself, because he is the door. They are the free citizens of the heavenly community, which is summoned by the trumpet of the gospel of Jesus Christ to assemble themselves together for worship and fellowship. So when we come together on a Sunday or on a Friday or on Zoom, or in our homes, we are the ecclesia coming together, summoned by Almighty God Himself. Hallelujah. It's important for us to understand that the word church is actually never used to refer to a building or a house of worship. In our English usage, it's often used as a building, but that usage is actually foreign to the New Testament concept of the church. It's unfortunate that the King James translator, uh, translators have also rendered Acts 19.37 as robbers of churches. In actuality, the Greek word there meant robbers of temples. See, robbers of buildings, not the church. The church is the people of God that are built together into a spiritual building for God's habitation. We see that in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 20 through 22. The church meets in a building or home, but it's not a material building itself. We are not the building. We are the people of God. We are the true church. The people of God are a spiritual house. And if we make a mistake of thinking that the church is a natural building, we will become building worshipers instead of worshipers of God. We will be much like the religious leaders of Jesus' day that um, they would worship the stones and materials or, or they would look at them and admire them because the natural buildings were constructed out of nice stones and they were beautiful. You could look at Mar Mark 13, uh, verse 1 on that. The tragedy is that we can have the view that the church is a building and miss out the true church. The true church is you and I. We can put all our energies into glorifying natural facilities and miss out the responsibility that we have before God to give our energies and time to the edification of the people of God, who, after all, are the true spiritual house that God has been indwelling and continues to indwell. So therefore, you know, in a time like this, in a time of crisis like today, we have to realize that even though we're not in the building, we are still actively the church, and God indwells His church, which is you and me. So we have to be very careful that we don't put the emphasis um, on buildings, that we put the emphasis where God does. The mistake could cost us to hold the material building, which is a sheep shed in actuality, right, about the, and then hold that up and neglect the spiritual building, which are the sheep. 
It's also important for us to realize that this word church in the New Testament is never used to refer to a sect, a denomination, or an organization. In our day, we talk about the church, or our church, indicating a form <clears throat> of ecclesiastical systems, but this concept is also foreign to the New Testament. See, the church is His church. He is the central authority to all New Testament churches, and we as all churches must relate to Him. The church on earth is bigger than any one single denomination, any one sect or organization. We always remember that. By making this mistake, we can make God's church narrower than it really is, and then begin to exclude ourselves from a vital participation with Christ, who is the head of the church. In Hebrews chapter 12, verses 22 on, it says this powerful statement that, about what we are actually enter, in, entering into when we become part of the church. It says, But you have come to Mount Zion, and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly and church of the firstborn who are registered in heaven, to God, the judge of all, to the spirits of just men made perfect, to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaks better things than that of Abel. Wow! What a powerful definition of that which we have entered to in Christ. The scriptures use various uh, descriptions for the church. Uh, you've heard it said that the church is a holy nation. The church are the people of God. The church is a priesthood, a holy, royal priesthood. The church is the bride of Christ. The church is, the church is God's vineyard. The church is God's inheritance. The church is God's flock. The church is a house being built. The church is a light. The church is God's witness. Hallelujah. And when you look at Scripture, and when Jesus referred to the church, He referred to it twice, there were two ways in which the term was used in the New Testament. Jesus Himself used this term two times, and each time He used it, it was for a unique sense. The first one was in Matthew chapter 16, verse 18. It says this, Upon this rock I will build my church. See, when Jesus uses this term in this passage, He was not referring to any particular locality or group of believers. He was referring to the church that is in the process of being built. That church includes all the believers in Christ in all ages, those who have lived, those who have died, and they're distinct from the world by virtue of their calling and the virtue of their separation unto God. See you, could, you see, you could see that in Ephesians chapter 1, 22, and in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 10. It also includes all those that have not been born again, but will be part of the universal church. The second usage is the word of the word church is initiated by Christ in Matthew 18, 17. There, he's dealing with a specific group of people that make up a local, earthly, definable body a local church consisting of professed Christians voluntarily associated together around the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's referring to the local church. It's referring um, to this present visible earthly expression in this time or in past times, right? Local churches are New Testament organizations, and they are uh, groups of believers in any given locality which are marked out by confession of faith, 
discipline of life, obedience, baptism, gathering to the person of Jesus Christ, like Calvary Christian Fellowship. We have all these disciplines. And we have gifted ministries, and we keep the memorials of the Lord, as the Lord's Supper, for example. The local church is only a small part. It's a fraction of the universal church. It's only a part, a miniature of the great general church. God himself is the architect of the church of Jesus Christ. See, being an architect, it must be remembered today that God has the idea for the church. It's not conceived in man's mind. It was something that God determined in his own mind even before there was a, ever a man. Because he, he set this in his heart before we were ever born, we were ever created. You, you could see that in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 9, and in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 10 and 11. Look what it says in Ephesians 3, 10 and 11. To the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church to the principalities and powers in the heavenly places, according to the eternal purpose which he accomplished in Jesus Christ our Lord. So the church is an eternal purpose in God, and we are now living in time as part of a local fellowship uh, that's connected to the broader universal church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Man, unfortunately, is always seeking credit for that which God produces. See? We can have confidence, uh, however, that the church is a good idea, better idea, and best idea. You know why? Not because man creates a church, but because it, it finds its origin in the mind of God. The church was God's idea, not man's idea. See, God being the architect, uh, we can know that also. It is true that God has the plan, the pattern, and the blueprints for the church. God did not conceive a beautiful idea and then turn it over to the ingenuity of man. You know, as men, we must be willing to conceive that if God has an idea or goal, he also has the pattern, the blueprint, and the design, you know, by which he would ensure that his idea or goal will be reached. Thank God for that. Otherwise, the, the church can be a mess. And, and wherever man takes it upon himself to quote-unquote create his own church, that's where we see the mess. We need to fall under God's design. He is the wise master builder, and he built it according to the divine blueprint or design. And that's the church that will be able to come against the doors of Hades, and the, the Hades will not prevail. The, the doors of Hades will not prevail against the church. So with that, I just want to say several things. Number one, the church is not a weak, defeated, failing, or battered bride. It is glorious, and it is holy. Number two, the church is unique because it belongs to God. You and I belong to God. We are His special possession. Number three, the church has been separated from the world. God has declared it holy. We are holy people. We are chosen. Hallelujah. Number four, the church has been cleansed from sin. So according to God, when He sees us, he sees us just like He sees the Lord Jesus Christ. We're clean, we're holy, we're separated unto Him. Also, the church has been betrothed to Jesus Christ. Therefore, we are the bride of Christ. Hallelujah! That, that, what an amazing relationship. The bride uh, gets the inheritance. The bride gets to enjoy everything that the husbandman owns and has. We are part of that family as His bride. Also, the church is unified. 
It is a complex organism that has a tremendous unity in the midst of diversity. Unity is not unanimity. See, I'm not your clone. I'm different. But I can be in unity with you. Unity is each part, although we're unique and have a different function, we still are able to accomplish that which God calls us to do and the way He created us. See, in this unity, we maintain individuality, personality, unique expression, and a variety of function. And yet, we come into a corporate identification where we forfeit our rights to act independently of the rest of the members. Think about it. My hands do not act independently of the rest of my body. It acts together with my body. In the same way we, as the body of Christ, we act in conjunction with the rest of the body. We do not act independently of it. So the church is one body with many members. You and I are part of that. The church is one temple with many stones, and we are lively stones being built up as that temple unto God. The church uh, is one flock with many sheep. The church is one nation with many citizens. The church is one vine with many branches. The church is one family with many brothers and sisters. The church is one army with many soldiers, and you and I are soldiers of the Lord. The church is a victorious church. Jesus said that the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. God has empowered us to destroy the works of the devil. We're the army of the Lord. The church does not only have a system of defense, but we also have a powerful offense that God expects to be in full operation. Also, the church has local expression. Even though the church is all over the world, we see local expression. We see brothers and sisters in Christ fellowshipping in New York City, in the Bronx, in Brooklyn, in Staten Island, in Queens, uh, New Jersey, in Pennsylvania, wherever it may be, there's always a local expression of the greater body. And we see the disciplines in each local body of the body of Christ. We see the defined body, um, uh, which works together in unity, not unanimity, but unity. You see the local church continuously coming together in, uh, for times of worship and fellowship and training and encouraging our faith and to pray together. The church is the place where Christ promises to be in the midst. He won't be in the midst of every place, but He will be in the midst of the church, where two or three are gathered in His name. The church is the gathering place that's identified with the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. See, to, de to be disciplined within the context of the church with your godly mentors, your pastors, your leaders, is to be disciplined by Christ because we're part of His body. One person does not make the church. We collectively make the church up. So until the church is completed, because you know all of us are part of the body, we're going to continue to need great love, great patience, and a lot of forgiveness. So in the church, there's love. In the church, there's acceptance. In the church, there's mentoring, there's training, there's correction, and there's patience, and a lot of forgiveness. Also, the church not only meets in a building, but in Acts 20.20, Paul said, You know how I did not shrink back in fear from telling you anything that was for your benefit, or from teaching you in public meetings and from house to house. So notice, 
Paul not only went to the temple from time to time and read the scriptures there and spoke to the men that were there, but he also would teach them house to house. So wherever we go, the church is active. The church meets in the building, in the, in the gathering place, in the sheepfold, but it also meets from house to house because wherever we are, that's where the church is being expressed. Even two or three gathered in a home. Like, for example, when the biases open up their home and you have their 10, 15, 20, 25 people that show up into, his, into their home, the church is gathering in the homes. In Philemon 1-2, it says, To the beloved Apphia, Archippus, our fellow soldier, and to the church in your house. So they had many churches, but mostly in homes. And today you see that in different parts of the world, in China, in South Central America, uh, in India, there are many churches, and many of them are in the homes. And there's a great move right now where people are getting away from the larger gatherings and creating what you call home churches and house churches. The bottom line is that wherever we gather together, we are the church and the church is present. So in conclusion, the Heavenly Father has made provision for us to be part of His family to be part of his kingdom. He redeemed us in Christ and through Christ Jesus, and he has made us sons and daughters of the Most High God. In Christ, we become part of this marvelous organism called the church, the ecclesia, the called out ones. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 16 through 18 says this, And God has said, I will dwell in them, and I will walk among them. I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Therefore, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch that which is unclean, and I will receive you. I will be a father to you, and you shall be my sons and my daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Wow. To all them that receive Christ, the Father receives them, and we become his sons and daughters. But that's very powerful, and you need to know that just because you know that the Scripture is there, you know the Bible, you say you know God, that's not, that doesn't automatically make you a child of God. Because in Matthew chapter 7, verses 21 through 23, says this, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he that does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? And I will declare to you, I will declare to them, he says, I never knew you, depart from me, you who work or practice lawlessness. So there are people that are going to be surprised that day that think that just because their parents were Christian or just because they visited a church once in a while that they're automatically saved. No, Romans 10.8 says this, What does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, and you believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture says, Whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. And there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, in other words, anybody in the world, for the same Lord overall is rich to all who call upon Him. And then it finishes with this, verse 13, For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. So if you haven't made that decision yet, if you've heard this message and, and you, you have 
wow, your eyes have been opened to the, see the greatness of the church, of what God has formed in the church. And you want to become part of this wonderful organism, of this big, huge family. You want to be a child of God, but you haven't received Christ yet. I want to um, pray with you this moment. I want you to join me in a prayer. When I was 15 years old, I prayed a similar prayer. When I went to a church and I didn't know anything about the kingdom of God, I didn't know anything about salvation. But when I heard the message, I said, well, I want to be a part of that. And then the, the pastor led me in a prayer, and I came to saving faith in Christ. And if you want to come to saving faith in Christ, if the Holy Spirit has touched you, and, and you say, I don't want to be alone anymore, I want to be part of that family, then pray this prayer with me. Pray this. Heavenly Father, I come to you this moment, and I ask your forgiveness. I thank you for your word, for you have opened up the eyes of my understanding, and I realize now that I need Jesus in my life. So, Heavenly Father, I pray, forgive me, cleanse me of any and all sin, and I receive Jesus this moment as my Lord and Savior. I ask that you forgive all my sins and birth me into your family. I receive you, and your word says that I will receive you. If I receive you, you will not reject me. So this moment I receive the Lord Jesus Christ, and I thank you for your kindness. So thank you that by, because of your word, your word says I am now saved. Hallelujah. I pray this in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. Praise God. If you've made that prayer, you're saved. Hallelujah. I want to know about it. Go to the chat room now and just state that you made that prayer and we will send you more information. Leave your email there and we will send you the information. Okay? Let us know that you made that prayer. It's very important and we will send you some more information so you can start your walk with God. And if you want more information, you want to speak to somebody, you could call us at the church office. That's 718-829-5306. 718 718- 829-5306. You can also go to our website, www.calvaryny.org, and you can find other ways of reaching us. And there are previous messages that are there too that you could take advantage of. Praise God. I pray that this blessed you like it blessed me. I'm so grateful to God that He's made me part of the glorious church, the powerful church, the victorious church. Amen? Praise God. So, um, before closing, I remind you, if you have not had time or opportunity, um, we're passing now the offering uh, uh, basket. Well, maybe not passing the offering basket, but we want to let you know that you can go to the website, uh, calvaryny.org, and go to the top header to the right where it says uh, donate or give. Click on there, it'll take you to another screen, and you could press donate, and you could give with your credit card, or you could give through PayPal. And right now, uh, Julio can also put down uh, one or two other ways that you might be able to give, including Venmo. Um, all right, so we would really appreciate that if you can. So when you get out of this, don't forget and release your loving offering, your loving tithe. We appreciate that more than words can say. Thank you, thank you, thank you. It's been great spending some time with you, and I, I love to see everything that everybody's putting in the chat rooms. So please, let's continue chatting for a while. We won't get off right away, so you can continue chatting. I'll be there also in the chat room for the next couple of minutes. So let's continue uh, fellowshipping through, through chat. We can't do it physically, we'll do it virtually. Amen? So let me, let me pray for you. Father, thank you for this wonderful time of fellowship. Thank you for your word. Thank you for saving us and for redeeming us by the blood of the Lamb. Thank you for delivering us from the power of darkness and for translating us to the kingdom of your dear Son. Lord, I dismiss your people now thanking you for your kindness because you're with them. You never leave them nor forsake them, my God. 
You are with us, my God. Thank you, my Lord. We dismiss now in the name of that is above all names, the name of the Lord of Lords, King of Kings, Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. God bless you all. Remember, you're blessed and highly favored, so go be that blessing that God has called you to be. Amen.